The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the returning Joe DeFalco, the owner and creator of Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas. Joe, welcome back from New York, man. Yes, the conquering hero returns. It's been like what three years? It it feels like it's been it's been a long time. Um, obviously, you were going back to the East Coast to uh, wrap up some business uh, with the family, and uh, uh, after your mom had passed away uh, very very suddenly a, a couple months ago, um, and you were also in New York not only to have the family uh, experience uh, some of the New York haunts, but also to uh, talk a little business out there. How's uh, the East Coast looking for the future stars of wrestling? You know, it's looking good. I'm working uh, two different angles, one in New York and one in Atlantic City, you know. So, you know, in a perfect world, we could do back-to-back shows, you know, and, you know, already fantasizing about, hey, who am I going to bring in, you know? And, you know, the fact of the matter is we got a New Year's Eve show coming up. We got the Mecca coming up. But, you know, that just that gets the juices flowing, you know, FSW going to Jersey that, you know, Sin City and Atlantic City that, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, And uh, I don't put it past you to also uh, after a, f- a couple successful shows, tried to run MSD because I think Madison Square Garden uh, is the next stop for FSW after Jersey, right? Well, I was thinking personally the ECW Arena. Ooh. <laughs> you know, that could be the three-day weekend, Philly, Jersey, and New York. You know, that's the trifecta right there. Yeah. And having Tommy Dreamer back in the ECW Arena. Yeah. And and you've also got, uh, you know, outside of Dreamer, there's there's a few other guys who um, I'm sure would not be too hard to get uh, for something like that. Uh, When you think about that potential of doing business on the East Coast and some of the exposure some of the guys from the West Coast can get, what would you say would be the the biggest takeaway for? (laughs) the the guys you have here um would it be that exposure to the east coast would it be further exposure for you know particularly guys like uh vandergriff uh jay vidal who have been traveling outside of the west coast region um to get that exposure under the fsw banner well you know guys like like a vandergriff he's worked a lot of gcw shows a guy we like a lot we don't use that often but jack cartwheel eli everfly you know they already have jay vidal he's done some good stuff in florida which is where his base really was but for him 
that would be a big deal. I'm pretty sure a Cody and a Remy, that would be a big deal. They, you know, they've gotten a lot of notoriety as, you know, in the West Coast, you know, a lot of work in Arizona, some California, you know, they, they worked up in Portland back in the day. But, you know, Remy is a New Yorker. So, you know, getting to be there and maybe having some old friends come down, you know, and, and watch him, you know, could be, you know, a pretty big deal. Plus, you know, our mainstays, the guys that we would really want to use, as I, I wasn't joking when I said it would be more like a Mecca 8, you know, okay. because we, w- we would have to utilize a guy like Hammerstone, a Chris Bay, a, a Killer Cross, you know, mixed in with some great East Coast talent, you know, Big Cass, Cardona, Tommy Dreamer, you know, there's a lot of guys which makes it more cost effective because those guys are a couple of hour drive. I know Casey Navarro is out of uh, pretty much near Newark. So it's an hour and a half drive for him. So, you know, that's definitely going to be a guy that I'm going to look at as well as pretty much up and down the East coast, you know, ring of honor guys that are based out of say Maryland, you know, the flight to, to Philly is, you know, probably $99 round trip. So it makes it a little easier to use, say, a Jonathan Gresham uh, on the East Coast because you're saving so much money on the flights. I know a few years ago when we were doing the IWF shows, it was crazy. There was, you know, 12, 13 fly-ins. You know, the first match was, you know, Tony Nese, Swan, A.R. Fox, and uh, J.T. Dunn. You know, JT Dunn happened to be in California, but the rest, <coughs> they they were flown in. And John Morrison and Shelton Benjamin. And, you know, when we used Lance Hoyt and Chris Sabin and, and all those dudes, Rich Swan, Ricochet, you know, those were all fly-ins. You yeah. know, you know, I can count on one hand, you know, the guys who worked the main card, you know, the young bucks, I guess, you know, they might've driven, but they charged as if they flew. So it didn't really matter. So doing something on the East coast opens up the idea of, you know, putting together some first time matchups and some dream matchups. And we've worked out a good relationship with Davey Richards. And I'm pretty sure, you know, with that ring of honor following, you know, a Davey Richards on the East coast, you know, you know, can, bump the needle a little bit, you know, and, and that's the key getting, getting some of those guys that, you know, have name value X WWE guys, you know, mixed in with some of our younger talent, you know, gives it a different vibe because if you look at them, you know, other than GCW, there's not really a lot of New York based companies that are running these type of super shows. Right. So, and GCW really isn't running a super show. They are created their own superstars. You know, two, three, two years ago, three years ago, you know, Effie was not a well known name. He wasn't a household name and Alley Catch. And, and, you know, Nick Gage was kind of known. But, you know, when Teddy Hart brought him in two, three years ago, you know, his price was a third of what it is now. 
you know, yeah. he didn't have that, you know, recognition outside of the East Coast deathmatch scene. So GCW really built their names on those guys, but then mixed it in by bringing in Two Cold Scorpio and bringing in the the uh, Rock and Roll Express or Ricky Morton or or any of these, you know, legendary names to be mixed in. And then when they did it with the Janela thing, I remember years ago they brought in PCO. That was like the big deal for, for the Janela event. And they saw that niche of bringing in, especially when you're doing fan fests and meet and greets, you know, you get to, you get to see the young and the old, you know, yeah. the only time to do that is at a wrestling convention where a lot of times there is no wrestling. So, you know, you have Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Godfather over here and then you have, you know, Hammerstone and Jacob Fatu and Effie over there. So, you know, it broadens the horizons. You know, we talk about how, you know, that that's what Fight TV did initially. Got us some new people on the East Coast, like a Brad Reader who hears about us. I can't believe Brad would not come to that show if it was in Jersey. You, you know what I'm saying? And right. You know, it's spreading the word. And like I said, you know, I'm not looking to do GCW numbers when they run in Atlantic City and they run a thousand people. You know, they're they're established. We, we'd love to do that down the line. But we just want to get a little base, get in there, you know, run some shows. You know, Vegas has become so saturated with sh- smaller base shows that our smaller shows just get kind of lumped in with everybody else. Even though we might have, you know, more talented guys from beginning to the end of the card, you know, a lot of those other places are charging 10 bucks, 15 bucks front row. And you can still get to see, you know, a good amount of FSW talent on there. So, you know, this past month, there was probably six shows and we ran two of them. So there was four, five, six other shows that were run, you know, throughout the month. So getting out there and expanding and, you know, looking into Arizona, you know, as a possibility uh, just to, to get us a little bigger and a little bigger. You know, we got a good we have, I would say, uh, homegrown guys. Maybe the best core talent of any independent promotion other than, you know, somebody who goes out and like warrior wrestling, they just go out and bring in big name guys. You know, there's not a local fan base, you know, it's the fan base that they built bringing in a Will Ospreay now and Trey Miguel and Davey Richards and all these great, great talents. But we have under the radar, great talents who are on the verge of breaking out as we've talked about with the Jay Vidal's and the Vandegrift's and the Damian Drake's and mixed in with, guys that really want to break out who've been doing it for a long time, like Sharp and Remy and Cody, that you mix them in with a couple of named guys. You know, I got a list. It's funny. Uh, We're talking about our year-end awards, you know, that we do every year. And we're trying to think of matches, you know, match of the year, you know, and it's like, okay, I really remember Ice and Funny Bone, you know, that was a great match. And then got you know jake gave me a list of 16 matches and i was like wow you know that's you know 
way more than I could even think of. But it was like, I wasn't even thinking of Sam Adonis against Psycho Clown. Yeah. That match was amazing, you know? And, you know, he gave me the list. You know, starting from the beginning, Vandegrift and Lacey Ryan. Ice and Freebone in March. Hammerstone and Graves. Jay and Vandegrift. Bay and Cepha. Psycho Clown and Adonis. TJP and and Vandegrift, the best match at the anniversary show. Ice and Vandegrift. Cody and Bone against AJ Gray and Nick Gage at the uh, GCW show. Sandra Moon and Maserati the next day at the women's show in their TLC match. You know, Jay Vidal and Sharp, Death Proof and Unguided. Hammerstone and Cage, people loved it. Ice and Bay, Damian Drake and Vandegrift. And even most recently, you know, Jacob Austin Young and Davey Richards. But I was also, that was 16. And I I was a big fan of uh, Vandegrift and Eli Everfly and Gregory Sharp and Eli Everfly. Yeah. So, you know, these were some great, Vandegrift and Eli Everfly, you know. Eli's not getting shut out of that category. You know, three great matches. The idea is, you know, do we narrow it down to 10 or we just say, hey, here's 20 matches. You know, you guys vote on it. And, of course, the fan voting can be prejudiced. We know that. You know, I'm pretty sure Brett the Threat will not get one vote for Rookie of the Year. But he is definitely as good a candidate as Nick Xander and Bodie. So, you know, we let the powers that be also chime in. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see wrestler of the year, favorite wrestler, you know, off the top of my head, most hated wrestler. You know, there's one Brett the Threat may get a lot of votes for, you know, but you also got the Suavecitos. Yeah. They're despised. Yeah. Yeah. But but at the same time, you know that Brett the Threat is – like you said, he probably wouldn't get one vote for rookie of the year, but he'd probably get every vote for most hated, which is you know, amazing. You know, you got Ricky Tenacious in that mix. You know, he's a guy not liked at all, you know, and I was just putting together the list and trying to see what was the other hated guy. Uh, most recently, Matt Vandergriff. Vandergriff. And. I don't know, Ice Williams or the entire faction. You know what I'm saying? It's like when Ice became part of the faction, that whole group led by him uh, became one of the most despised people or group in in FSW. You know, there's a lot of motherfuckers that people in FSW hate. Gregory Sharp, throw him on the list. Gregory Sharp, you know, he's another one. He came on late. You know, he was beloved six months ago. Yeah, you know, and the guy who put him through a, you know, put him through the wood of the and took out the padding, Remy Marcel's a guy who's always when you talk about favorite wrestler. Yeah, and then you got Hammerstone, and you got Graves, and you got Nick Xander as a rookie who has become extremely popular, and Damian Drake and Jay Vidal, you know, and it's like. We'll eliminate the tag teams because you can throw death proof in there too. Yeah. So, Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that homegrown wise have really gotten a following, you know, 
man, if you take those guys, you don't even need those younger guys. You know, how popular is Sky High? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic and it's um, oh, I forgot class yeah. for most hated. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 We're going to have to expand the roster of uh, nominees. And you uh, you can't forget Graves uh, under most uh, loved. No. Yeah. I put him as favorite favorite. Yeah. So, I mean, he was one of the, the original guys. And then it's like. Wow, you know, go through the entire card and, you know, talking about breakthrough stars and, you know, women wrestlers, you know, that that women wrestlers is really an easy one. It's it's either Sandra Moon or Maserati. You know, Maz ran the first half, Sandra ran the second half. Right. Oh, the body of work, you know, is, you know, really good on, on both parts. But that is a two-woman race, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you look at uh, the, you know, this vast um, amount of possibilities for the year-end awards, um, overall, who do you personally feel are the top three performers of the past year? Just by talking about how some of those matches were some of the best, Matt Vandegriff really turned it up. And again, early on, he was part of the Unguided. You know, his last match with the Unguided was one of the best matches of the year, the Unguided and Death Proof. Yeah. So his matches with Lacey, Jay Vidal, Eli Everfly, most recently with Nick Xander, you know, performance-wise, you know, he's been there from day one. Ice Williams match, you know, great year. You yeah. know, Hammerstone, you know, he's always going to be, you know, in the comparison. And Jay Vidal, you know, in the first couple of months, he was part of, you know, the bad bitches. And... I guess it's 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 not a nice thing to say, but the best thing that happened to him was Parada decided to take a step back. It gave Jay the opportunity to shine all by himself, and he killed it. Yeah, yeah, and Parada, uh, to his credit too, has uh, you know said on social media that he is very happy for what Jay's been able to achieve. And, you know, he supports, you know, Jay in achieving those dreams that he has. Until uh, he sees him again in the barbershop and super kicking <laughs> through a window. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, you know, when you, when you look at the dynamic of all these um, performers, what would you say is your gauge then going into the next year on what you're able to do? And because the, the, the top end is definitely stacked, how hard is it for you then to figure in to a new year the, you know, the inevitable new people who come along 
and start reaching, you know, the steps. And then people who have, you know, hit that rookie level or, or second year level and now are starting on their way to that mid-level. How do you balance all that talent and kind of keep the balls juggling so that it doesn't get stale for the fans? Well, it is beyond a shadow of a doubt, extremely, extremely difficult. You know, you, you look at the tag team division, you know, right now, Toko Uso, you know, they broke through this year, you know, 2021 was their debuts in FSW and now they're the tag champs. You know, Toe is being looked at by the big companies. Juicy has really gotten himself out there. So even though the unguided broke apart, you know, death proof Toko Uso and a team that we haven't seen in a while, the RMB, you know, those are the three, you know, those three teams are at the highest level. And then you got the teams that are trying to break through to reach that level. And you're talking the sky highs, the suavecitos, you know, creature feature lights, camera faction, you know, heart and soulless, you know, chase has been injured. So Nick has a chance to do things on their own, you know, one or two of them, they're probably going to break off and be singles, but where do they fit? Because you got the no limits division. You got Chris Bay. He's now the yeah. champ. You got Jay Vidal. You got Matt Vandegrift. You got Damian Drake. You know, uh, you got Ice Williams. You got a Danny Limelight, you know, who's looking uh, to, you know, make 2022 a big year for him in FSW. You got Eli Everfly. You got Adrian Quest. You got Lucas Riley. You got Brandon Gatson. You know, it's hard for some of those younger guys. And in reality, you know, you we kind of put some teams together just because there wasn't opportunities and singles, you know, to get things done. And then you got the Nevada State title, you know, you know, class is still there. Remy's still there. Or Gregory Sharp's, you know, you know, where does Graves fit? Where does Limelight fit? What about Gatson? What about Damian Drake? You know, there, there's so many people there, you yeah. know, and then in the heavyweight division, you know, Juicy and Toa are two guys that they can go after those belts. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, we got Sam Adonis back for the Mecca and we love Sam and, you know, his tight relationship with MK makes him a guy that may be around more. Hey, what about Davey Richards? You know, he wants to come to Vegas. You know, we got him booked at the Mecca. We got Kenny King pretty much back into the, into the fold. You got a TJP, you know, we could have one of those 13 men gauntlet matches. It might cost me 20,000, but other than that, you know, with 164 at the school only lose like 16,000, but what a match it would be. And you could, you could finally do that concept of the uh, 24 hour match. Yes. You know, but you know, but the thing is, and you got funny bone. Yeah. You know, because he's a guy we don't use all the time. He's booked elsewhere, but we're trying to make spots for the sky highs and the suavecitos and the Nick Xanders and the chase bells and the Brett, the threats and the Ricky tenaciouses. And, you know, 
it's not their fault, you know, that they get on all these shows. And unfortunately, some people take it personally. And, you know, some people are bitter and some say Joe's a fucking douchebag, you know. But the bottom line is I encourage those guys to get bookings. I encourage them to get bookings in Arizona and California. I don't love when they get bookings in Vegas because to me it defeats the value of their purpose in FSW. If I ran a show that down the street pretty much had 12 of my guys on it and the other show had nine of the guys on it, why is my show special? Well, I have to focus on the special guys, you know, (coughs) there's three or four shows now running consistently in this town, not counting us. So, you know, Hammerstone Graves, they just started working one. Ice Williams, Shogun and Hero is a tag. Forgot about them. You know, guys like Shogun, guys like Hero, guys like Ice, you know, most of those guys don't really work the other companies. So to me, it gives them a little bit more value than the guy who's working every show. Right. So you want to pick one here. You got to pick one there. You're going to get a good match against somebody. Awesome. You know, I have a conversation with Bodie recently and, you know, trying to make him understand. See, I don't put Bodie on every show because – a, he's 14 years old, okay? He is an attraction, and he is very undersized. So we try to plug him into good situations where he can shine as bright as possible. And now all of us see and I see him over there, and I see him over there, and he's working people, and I pray that they're looking out for his best interests, but wrestlers are selfish. They want to go out there and they want to have a really good match. They're not concerned with, hey, that kid's 14. How do I protect him in the match? It's kind of, hey, kid, what can you do? Let's go put this together and have a great match. And to me, as an attraction, it loses its juice when you see the guy on, you know, every show. Yeah. And it's like pick and choose when you're going to work somebody, when they want to bring you in and they're going to bring you in against a really talented guy. Of course, you know, take that match, but just to be plugged in because you're the young prodigy guy. Hey, we got Bodie on the show. You know what value it's got to be more valuable to Bodie. It's got to be more valuable than Nick Xander. It's got to be more valuable to Brett, the threat. It's got to be more valuable to Sky High, you know, for Sky High to go work some shitty other tag team. Right. How does that help them in the long run? Yeah. And again, that's the million dollar question. You know, am I old and outdated? Fuck no. But to the other people I am because they're trying to use those guys. Yeah trying to make my guys valuable why should you pay 50 bucks to see our show if three quarters of the roster is on the other show when you can only have to pay 20 bucks yeah 
you know, being intelligent, you would say, hey, man, maybe I won't go to that FSW show. I can see half the roster tomorrow or next week. So, and that's why we try to use a Gatson and a Danny Limelight and a Eli Everfly and Toko Uso, who are pretty much exclusive to us. Well, and do you think, too, one of the things that helps you guys in terms of that longevity is the fact that the storytelling aspect of things you can follow very easily in FSW, whereas in some of the other places, a lot of it is just based on the small amount of talent they have, and it's almost just you know, coming up with matches as opposed to having prolonged storylines. Is that something that separates you guys? It does, but I've also seen times where the local promotion takes our storyline that I created and put together, and now all of a sudden they just have it as a random match on their show, hoping our fan is going to go to their show. Nobody advertises on TV Nobody advertises anywhere but on social media. So if Jay Vidal or Gregory Sharp is wrestling each other and all of a sudden they're wrestling over there, everybody's looking at it as a continuation of what they did because it's happening in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, it was like even my boy Dom in, in Arizona. You know, what did they have? Gregory Sharp against Remy Marcel. You you know, and it's like, I get it. It's in a different town. It's a great match. But I look at it as like, oh, you know, we we had that feud. We may revisit that feud. You know, we want it to be ours. And that's me being selfish. You know, you can't count on me being selfish on a lot of things, but the stories that work and, you know, if Matt Vandegriff goes, wrestles Damian Drake in Friday at one place and Saturday at the other place in Vegas, why do I care about the Iron Man match that I'm going to see the next week? Right. You know, GCW did it at the LA fights. You know, they had their steel cage match on Friday night. You know, you're hoping that that brutal match that all those little injuries, they'd take a break, they'd relax. But no, Saturday night, they're back at it. You know, it's like that WWE house show circuit. You know, (laughs) Friday night, you're in Phoenix. Saturday, you're in Anaheim. And Sunday, you're up in uh, San Francisco. And you're working the same matches over and over. Like, we like to have our matches be special, you know? It takes a lot of work being creative and trying to get things that you haven't seen a million times. Right. When you have Remy, Cody, Hammerstone, Graves, you know, Class, Ice, Damian Drake, Vandergriff, you know, all these guys that have been with the company for a very long time, and you're trying to mix and match so it isn't just like, oh, you know, I remember when we were doing, whether it was Creature Feature and Sky High and then mixed in the Suavecitos and mixed in, that got boring. And that was like two months and three matches. Right. 
imagine having eight matches of the same thing. It's like I work you in a singles, you work him in a singles, we do a tag, we do an eight-man tag, you know, because we're trying to get these guys on the show. And to yeah. them, it's like, fuck, gotta work them again. And it's like, well, here's the alternative. You don't fucking work at all. Like, I'm trying to help you guys out. All it is is about reps and getting the experience and getting out there. So an eight-man tag that goes eight minutes is better than a zero-man tag that goes zero minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh, Running a it's- wrestling promotion makes the promotion... Running a wrestling school makes the wrestling promotion way more difficult. See, right. if I was GCW, if I was PCW, I would just get my top 20 guys, 24 sometimes, and they'd be on the show. Now, as a wrestling promotion, or it's no disrespect to the Suavecitos or Nick Xander, it's like right now I got a key on my top 24 guys at, at Samstown. But the difference is when we ran Samstown, we also ran two school shows to get the younger guys on. While, oh, what a card Warrior has. Oh, what a card PCW has. Because they went in and they got all the name guys. We run that show too. It's called the Mecca. But we're trying to utilize our younger guys to get experience who, in a lot of cases, within a year, a year and a half, they're wrestling all over the West Coast because we've given them that opportunity to excel and get better. Yeah. So where instead of having seven matches this year, they had 42 matches this year. You know? So, but it makes it extremely difficult. Oh, I'm not on the show. Hey, I'm available. Oh, what do you mean I'm not on the show? You know? It's what Just it is. Does that um, does that make you even more appreciative to a guy like Nick Sander, who not only has started to make his name outside of Vegas very quickly, but also when he is not booked, when, let's say, Impact's in town, he's right there for ring crew and is vocal and, and leads that type of thing. Is that the type of example that you're trying to then show the um, the younger students uh, that, hey, if you put the time and effort in, but you still have respect for the business and what we do, that that is a way to, um, you know, get ahead and really take off. Is that something that you, you know, appreciate in a guy like Nick? And Brett the Thread has been the same way as well. You know, it's crazy that that – that would be like, hey, this is common sense. You work hard, you help out, you're around, but somehow people's heads must be that thick from getting dropped on them that don't do that. And they question why it is that way. If I got a fucking bitch at you, where were you? Hey, we have a show you're here. But you can't make training. Oh, well, uh, my car broke down. I don't have a car. Okay. How the fuck did you get here for the show? 
on Thursday night, season's beatings. But you couldn't make training on Thursday when we didn't have season's beatings. So your ride would only give you a ride to sit at the show and watch it? They wouldn't drive you to actually train to get on the show? So it's that thick-headed mentality that keeps people down. You know, I got a message. Hey, season's beatings. I'm looking for the main roster guys, okay? And it's like, we're doing a charity show. This is a a charity show. You're volunteering to work. And that's who I'm looking for. And, of course, you get four or five guys who either never worked on a show or they've gotten to work on a future shock. Oh, I'm available. Hey, I, you're not the guy I'm talking about. That's why I posted, hey, for the guys who regularly work shows, I know you guys are going to work the show if you have that opportunity. And, you know, we had a good turnout. We had, we had a good amount of people there. But there was a couple of people that hadn't wrestled at all, and I gave them opportunities. Uh, Insane Dane got to work Sin Bodhi. Because, again, from Impact and all the other stuff, he helped out. There was a spot. I figured I'd give it to somebody who worked hard. And then there was a guy who I haven't seen in a while. Oh, I'm available. Okay. Day of the show, he's not there. I didn't book him because he hadn't been around. But don't tell me you're going to be there and you're available and not show up. You know, you're the low man on the totem pole to get on a show. So you need to do 10 times the work to get on that show. You know, the only reason you might have been on that show was because the main roster guys weren't able to make it. You know, you guys are the alternates. And there's a always an alternate and a first alternate and a second alternate. And in most cases, when they weren't booked on shows, a Nick Xander, a Brett the Threat, you know, those were the guys that were next up because they were not only more ready, even if they were equally ready by the fact that they're around all the time when you need them to do something kind of jumps, you know, the list. You know, I don't care that you've been there two years most of the time when you've been there two years and you haven't got a match, that means you were really there for two months and disappeared, came back for a month, left for two, came back for three, and there was no consistency whatsoever. There's right. not a person who's been there two years straight that has never gotten an opportunity. Yeah. I think that, you know, and that's something that um, it, it, it's, it's interesting when you think of schooling and um, – the opportunities you get when you go to a school, you would figure that that would be something that you would focus in on and, you know, try to be around as much, get your face out there as much, shake as many hands, <laughs> you know, it, there's, it's just such a simple thing that I think a lot of uh, students just don't realize the extra, um, I guess the, you're, you're sweetening yourself. You're, you're showing that you have a passion, you have value and um, you know, the, the opportunities will come 
it's just that it takes time to get those opportunities. Now, one of the things uh, we talked, you know, about seasons beatings that just uh, took place here on the 23rd. Uh, overall, how <laughs> the event uh, charity wise and uh, what kind of uh, uh, auctions were won? What, what was some of the rundown of uh, what the uh, show was like on the 23rd? Uh, it went really well. You know, uh, I think four people totally paid, maybe three paid to get in and the rest all brought the toys, you know? So that was a, you know, a success, you know, I didn't see exactly how many toys cause I ran the door in the beginning and we had a good amount, but then once we were close to showtime, I had to go to the back to do commentary so, you know, Rocky scooped up all the toys and stuff. So, you know, we did really well on that. Uh, a guy like Shant, you know, bid on being uh, the guest commentator. And one of the guys voted on, you know, being the uh, special guest manager for Nick Xander. So, you know, the Christmas show has always been the fun show. You know, we kind of... AK Fabe, I guess, as you could say, you know, that forbidden door, which isn't really forbidden anymore. You know, people still want to believe, but they also like to be a part of things. Right. You know, you know Garth uh, ended up being the uh, guest manager for Bodie. And as usual, he was unsuccessful because Bodie didn't win. So just shows that Garth's a pretty shitty manager. You know what I mean? He had his opportunity. He couldn't get the kid to victory. Well, hey, man, if the kid was a car, it, he'd be he'd, there'd be no stopping him. So, oh, you know, he would have got Garth. <laughs> um, and with that show, uh, you know, it's the fun show. And now we're going into the New Year's Eve show. And uh, there are two matches announced. And the first one, three gonna- matches announced. Three. What? What is the what is the third one? Go on Twitter. Oh, the okay. tag team champion, Juicy Finale, one on one with the Vegas living legend, Funny Bone. Oof. Oof. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's going to be interesting. Holy crap! Yes. Uh, not going to be a casket match, is it? Uh, it is not. <laughs> Um, but, uh, hardcore, uh, hardcore rules. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it usually is with funny bone, whether you tell them it is or it is. Right. Um, and then of course, uh, Chris Bay defending the, uh, no limits title against, uh, the number one contender, Jay Vidal. Boy, that's going to be something else, man. Uh, do you, does that just, like, is that the type of thing that when that match happens, that's something that directly then will go through, you know, the loops of uh, potentially getting Jay more opportunities at somewhere like an impact or uh, even being able to share that kind of demo work, real work with, uh, you know, other places like possibly an AEW Um is, is that the type of thing you get from that uh, opportunity to be one-on-one with a guy like Bay when you are a rising star yourself? 
you know, getting guys, you know, that's like the most important thing for the wrestlers. You know, Jacob Austin Young got Davey Richards. Well, when Jacob Austin Young was on the rise as the No Limits guy, he got Ryan Taylor. He got Willie Mack. He got Rocky Romero. You know what I mean? It was, you know, Kevin Cross got Chris Masters. He got Kenny King. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're Tommy Dreamer, you know. But a guy like Masters, he got very early in his career as he was on the rise, you know. And the idea is he got Timothy Thatcher. You know, you bring in a guy for somebody you feel is ready to get that opportunity. Paul London came in and we gave him Bryce Harrison because he was deserving. We gave Austin Aries to Bryce Harrison because he was deserving. And you also want to mix and match and have the best possible combinations. When the 1% were hot, we put them with the rascals. You know, when Reno scum were hot, we put them with Ricochet and Rich Swan. You know, to the anger of Remy Marcel, who was the tag team champion at that time. But to me, I was looking at it as best matchup, high flyers, you know, Remy and Jack, they were a underdog babyface tag team wrestling a babyface high flying tag team. To right. me, that wasn't the mesh with the scum, even though they were babyfaces, it was going to be a bunch of guys zipping and rolling and and doing stuff. So I felt to me that would be, you know, the best match. You know, I also have to do that. So what I feel would be, you know, moving forward when we bring in the guys, Bryce Harrison got Matt Hardy because Bryce Harrison was the guy at the time. You know, Hammerstone got Cross and he got Cage and he got Moose. And he got Sammy Callahan and he got Willie Mack and, you know, Sepha got Hammerstone and he got, you know, he got Bay later. But the thing is putting them in positions and graves <coughs> to have all these guys work people that are the top of their game, because it also shows me where they're at. Right. You know, the reason I put Hammerstone with Callahan wasn't because I was looking to appease Hammerstone. We were kind of in a quandary at the Mecca, you know, the original Mecca, the first couple, you know, I can count on one hand an FSW guy we used. The initial plan was to make the Mecca its own entity, like its own company, not even have anything to do with FSW. But because of the brand and FSW being known, and having guys like Hammerstone on the roster and cross, it only made sense to incorporate it as an FSW thing. So it's like, okay, I'm going to give Hammerstone a shot. I want to see if he's as good as I think he is. And if he's as good as a national level wrestler, a guy who was in WWE and a guy who was, you know, doing well in impact. And, you know, he had a match in, Again, if you didn't know which guy, if you said, pick the guy with the major league contract, you couldn't tell. That's how good Hammerstone was. And that's what you're looking for 
you know, in that situation. You know, and it was also like with Davey Richards and, and going over Jacob Austin Young, it also gave three other guys, Matt Vandegrift, Cartwheel, and Cody, the opportunity to be in the ring with that guy and see what he does that makes him considered one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. You and know? it was it was it was Damian Drake, not uh, Matt Vandegrift. Sorry, Damian Drake. That's right, because Matt Vandegrift got Trey Miguel, right. you know, and it was Matt got TJP at at the thing. It's always trying to find, you know, those opportunities and those spots for guys to elevate themselves and, you know, put them in position. You know, with Lacey, we gave her Tessa Blanchard. You know, and Chris Bay got Tessa Blanchard. So it's like we try to utilize as much as we can guys who have earned those spots to get those opportunities for the big matches. You know, nobody will say, hey, Jack Cartwheel versus Davey Richards wouldn't have been a great match. But the idea was, I love Jack Cartwheel. But Jacob Austin Young has been an FSW guy for eight or nine years. And I felt with their styles, they would put on an awesome match. And one way or the other, Jacob Austin Young would look at himself and say, damn, I am really, really good. Or fuck, I got a lot of work to do because Davey Richards, you know, ran circles around me. And... That's what you want to see. You want to see the competitiveness come out and the juices flowing on opportunities because in a lot of cases, those established guys, they're going to work younger dudes. They're going to help the younger guys. And Death Proof's going to work matches against the Suavecitos and Heart and Soulless. And for them, I'm not saying they're overlooking them, but they're not they're looking at hey let's make these guys look good they're not looking at it as hey this is our time to shine this is their time to give back so when we can give these guys the opportunity to shine you want to make sure it's the guys who have done the most for you have gone out of their way for you you right. know and then you know Matt Vandergrift said hey you know I'd love I'd like to work Nick Xander you know, because he asked if I had plans for the season's beatings. And again, on those smaller shows and the future shocks, I let the veterans dictate what they're looking to do, who they might be looking to work, which is when I say I give these guys more freedom than probably any promoter, yeah. especially a promoter that's successful. You know, shitty companies could do whatever the fuck they want. But when you're a good company, sometimes it's hard to do that. But we run enough different types of shows that we can say, oh, okay, Matt Vandergriff, you want to work Nick Xander? Good match for Nick Xander. He's a guy we like. If Matt Vandergriff said, hey, I want to wrestle that kid from kids class, uh, from, the, uh, from the school who hasn't had a match yet and he never shows up, I'd be like, fuck no. But not that he would ever ask that. You know, he, he also sees as a guy who's training people that are working hard, people that are having good matches. 
And, you know, Nick went out there and he held his own. You know, he showed, you know, how good he is just one year into the business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the impressive thing about um, what Nick is doing and what Matt is doing. And speaking of what Matt is doing, um, kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, the New Year's Eve show will have a one hour Broadway uh, Iron Man match between Vandegrift and Damian Drake. Um, I'm, I'm expecting that uh, Alex, uh, takedowns and uh, <laughs> Matt work, and then uh, the last five minutes, uh, you know, those two crazy kids will do something spectacular. Um, how, how, how the hell uh, do those two who, you know, have had an incredible run in the cage match uh, and, uh, you know, have had a great story, a great feud. How are those two going to be able to plan something out in terms of uh, not not blowing up the first 20 minutes of the match and being able to use that whole time to tell the story is that something that um, there'll be, you know, a couple eyes overseeing something like that coming together? Or is it usually just going to be in an Iron Man match, one person kind of agenting it, uh, agent, agenting it and uh, kind of making sure that it, it has the arc it needs to have? Uh, honestly, I planned on making it a 30-minute Iron Man. I don't know that the fans will be engaged in a 60-minute Iron Man match. Sin Bodie came to the defense of Vandegrift and Damian Drake, who wanted to go 60, and felt that is a true Iron Man match. Being that it's New Year's Eve, we do an 11 o'clock start of the match till 12 o'clock. I'm okay with it. I'm going to give them that opportunity. You know, it's New Year's Eve. There's a lot of people doing other things. You know, we're not going to have a packed house. Bottom line, if these guys want to go out there and perform for 60 minutes because they feel they can and they, they're they not going to have an agent other than maybe talking with Sin a little bit, they're going to have the freedom to do whatever they like. You know, I'm going to give them some bullet points on what I'm looking for, you know, how things are going to work, but they're going to go out there. They're main eventing the show. Uh, just announced the No Limits Championship match will open the show. <laughs> so, so, so Ice, Ice, and Bay have other plans that night. Uh, Ice isn't on the on the on the show. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Ice already has other plans. He'll be hanging out at Dre's all night. You know, he'll be hanging out with uh, young Jeezy and uh, Future. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I forgot. It's it's Jay versus Chris Bay. Yes. Yes. So that is going to open the show. So it's going to open with fire and then it's going to close, hopefully, with fireworks. If the match doesn't live up to the expectations, at least... When the match is immediately over, the fireworks will still go off. 
because it'll be midnight. But knowing those guys as well as they know each other, I'm going to predict they're going to have an awesome match. You know, there's a good chance that we may have to add two matches to matches of the year since it would still technically be December 31st. Right. You know, opening the show and closing the show. And it's like, you know, it's timing is everything. You know, 9.30 is the start time. We are going to try to get to 11 o'clock and then see what we can do to milk. You know, hopefully we don't have to play 18 minutes of video packages so we can start at 11 o'clock. You know what I mean? And it, it is going to be absolutely 60 minutes. There's going to be the clock on the screen that counts down from 60. So it ain't going to be the work 60 minutes. That's really only 46. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you talk about a Broadway and um, you mentioned Sin Bodhi being the one who defended it and, and sold the idea. Um, how how valuable is Sin in terms of the fact that uh, anyone who follows the Snake Pit wrestling page on social media uh, or any of the uh, FSW guys who uh, do train with Sin, um, he has an opportunity for them where he will he will wrestle them for an hour um, to to put them through basically that almost that polishing class of uh, doing a Broadway with sin. How valuable is that to the guys to have that opportunity from a guy who absolutely is not only a great trainer, but a great in-ring performer, and the matches are done uh, as if they were in front of a crowd, um, you know, but they're, you know, in class. Um, Is that something that, you look at as like what other schools have that opportunity or do that. Cause I don't think there's anyone out there who really allows the, the guys to grow like that. I think our buddy Dom and Phoenix, that's how they graduate is they do a 60 minute match uh, with Dom. Uh, I know Matt Vandergriff was one of the guys who took advantage and did the 60 minute match with Sin Bodie. Uh, a couple times it was some people from out of town that had very, very little experience. And I'll be honest with you, you know, during a training class, I have no interest in watching somebody wrestle for 60 minutes. That's just me. You know, I'm a, but if I'm watching two great guys wrestle for 60 minutes, sure. You know, watching a green guy wrestle for 60 minutes. Oh, I don't want to watch him wrestle for six minutes. So, but it is valuable because the one thing Sin does teach more so is call it in the ring, call it in the ring. Because, you know, there's plenty of times you see guys talking over their seven minute match for two hours. And then something fucks up in the ring and then they're totally lost anyway. Lost. Yeah. You know, and that's the lost art of reading the crowd. 
You know, you could go into something and have the best idea for the best match. And for some reason, the fans don't give a fuck. So that means you adjust on the fly. But if you're not prepared to adjust, there's nothing you can do but go through what you planned on doing, regardless of how engaged the crowd is. You know, and again, yeah, you want to call a spot. Hey, we're going to flip over the guardrail and we're going to fight in the stands. Yeah, you get to that spot. But we, what you end up doing is probably more based on the energy from the crowd and whether you're going to dump the guy on the uh, concrete bench or you're going to take it a little easier. on. You, right. you know I mean? So, you know. The 60-minute match, we did one Ironman match, and I believe it was 30 minutes. And if I'm correct, Jack Manley was involved. Yes, it was Jack Manley and Bryce Harrison. Okay. I believe. Uh, I know there was one with Jack Manley and Saiku but I think that was the I quit match. And okay. Jacob Austin Young turned and joined the following of Bryce Harrison. So, yeah, I believe it was the Iron Man match. It was in the last few seconds that led to uh, Bryce, I'm, Bryce winning and Jacob turning on him. Turning, yeah. 30 minutes, it was at the Silverton. It went really well. Nobody shit on it. Nobody was like, uh Boring. You know what I mean? So, you know, we're going to see, you know, if they're going to be able to knock it out of the ballpark. You know, Matt Vandegrift's had some great matches this year. Damian Drake has had great matches in his career. You know, hopefully this will go down as one of them. (laughs) Um, As we kind of uh, get to the uh, end here, uh, ready to wrap up. Um, we're heading into the new year. Next time we'll talk will be 2022. What are your uh, expectations or your uh, New Year's resolutions uh, for yourself and for FSW? Uh, the New Year's resolution for FSW is for the trainees to not be dumb fucks and actually do what's asked of them. And again, that's not everybody, of course, but, you know, more consistency, you know, I'll go yesterday and there's four or five kids in class and then I'll go another day and there's 14 kids in class. And it's like, but if I only see you that one day, why would you think you're going to progress to a level of I'm going to be confident enough in you to put you in a match in front of a crowd, you know? The biggest misconception is you think you're ready. Yeah. Nothing to do. Nobody gives a fuck that you think you're ready. When you're ready, I'm going to hear it from the important people. And that's who you need to impress. So if you only come one day a week, that means you only got one trainer out of three or four telling me anything good about you. I'll say on the other one is, hey, what do you think about this guy? Oh, I never see him. Oh, he's never there. You know, and that's yep. 
that they're going to California and they're wrestling some shit promotion against some shit fucking wrestler and have a shit fucking match. It's like, that doesn't impress me. It's yeah. like, you know, bottom line is if you're growing and you're looking to do stuff, I get it. You want to have a match. But if, if we're your home, we're your home base. When you're late with payments, we still let you train. We get you involved when we can. If you're going to blow me off for some shit place, just because you want to wrestle a match against some shitty guy, then, you know, you reap what you sow. You know, you're not going to be high on that list of opportunities. You know, there's a lot more guys who are underutilized that want to be here in town like Judah Matthew, out of town like the wise guy, who are talented guys. It's just hard finding a spot for them. So if you're here, there so you can see, and he's here, and he can barely get on a show, how the fuck are you going to get on? Yeah. You know? And, you know, for, for, for me personally, you know, it is doing things in Atlantic City or New York or Philly or Arizona or anywhere else or WrestleMania weekend, you know, we're talking, you know, with GCW since, you know, they're looking to do the collective again. Well, who better than us to be part of the collective? You know, a lot of our guys are willing to go down there on their own dime to be a part of WrestleMania. Well, if FSW has a show, we got some good people there. We could bring some good people in. You know, we're not concerned about making a dollar on the show. We're just, we're just more concerned with getting out there, but we don't want to lose our ass also. So, yeah. you know, as, as long as we could go there and kind of tread water, it's definitely something you want to do. Because as a big a deal it is to a lot of people, I also see shows there that it's WrestleMania weekend and they draw, they draw 34 people. Right. So just because you paid $5,000 to rent a venue to run a show with nobody there to say, I ran WrestleMania weekend. What did you actually accomplish? Right. Oh, Hey, Booker T he's in Houston. Well, the WrestleMania is in Dallas. Well, that ain't that far, you know, Hey, maybe the reality of, of, maybe the future, the reality meets the future is over there. You know, as I said, we, we, we saw some extremely talented guys. So I think doing another show with GCW, uh, whether it's in Atlantic City or Vegas and working with some of the bigger companies, you know, we've had some conversations with companies like Defy and PCW and, and things like that. But we've never really gotten it off the, the ground until I really pushed for the GCW one and it came off awesome. Yeah. You know, and universally praised by people who love FSW as well as people who had no clue who the fuck we were, but because of GCW, they tuned in. Yeah. So, you know, it helped some of our guys be made aware of from a different fan base. Yeah. And I think that's exciting to 
potentially see what can happen this year uh, in 2022 uh, to help grow the brand and to also give the uh, guys more exposure, which is just a wonderful thing. And hopefully um, we'll see more of it in 2022. Um, Again, uh, this coming New Year's Eve, the 31st, uh, you know, catch the Ironman match. Uh, come on down to FSW to uh, to see the uh, match in person. Uh, if not, uh, is the uh, show going to be available on uh, the net- the network? Is that correct? Uh, yes, it will be on the network. So six ninety nine a month for the network, and uh, not only can you see the New Year's Eve show, but uh, you go back and uh, see some of the stuff Joe was talking about in this episode. Uh, check out some of those matches uh, of the year and uh, kind of make your own decision. And uh, when will the uh, the voting start for uh, the year-end awards? Uh, today is Tuesday. I'm hoping to have all the nominees up by Wednesday, which would mean Wednesday is the day we could start voting. And then we'll announce the winners on the show uh january 14th high octane at the fsw arena where the main event little little uh spoiler will be for the fsw heavyweight championship as hammerstone will defend against tag team champion toa leona wow Uh, wow so we might have a possibility of uh toa two belts (laughs) Yes, that has not happened since Hammerstone and Graves held the Nevada State, the heavyweight, and the tag belts simultaneously. <laughs> well, um, that that's exciting, and uh, boy, that opens the door. And that's then. not exciting, Evan Daniels, my friend. No, <laughs> which I'm assuming Evan Daniels is uh, on for Mecca, correct? Uh, I believe so. Uh, we need a guy to go around and collect the gear. So Evan Daniels uh, looks like he's going to be locked in for that position. Well, there you have it. Some exciting news for uh, 2022. Um, everyone listening, thank you for uh, listening this year. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, again, check out the FSW Network for $6.99 a month. Uh, you can also uh, follow FSW on social media. Uh, and um, please, uh, you know, listen to uh, the Vegas Bad Boys of podcasting. And uh, we appreciate all your guys' support. And uh, 2022, bigger and better things. And uh, can't wait to uh, see what the new year holds for you, Joe. Well, we're looking forward to it. You know, hopefully I'll uh, make it through another year and not be uh, disgusted to death and should be all good. Well, there's the uh, the cheers to the new year. Let's all not be disgusted to death. Yes. <laughs> Horrible way to go. <laughs> all right, everyone. Until next time, take care. <laughs>